Welcome to CelebrityDressmaker.com. My name is Kara, and I'm the seamstress and blogger behind Celebrity Dressmaker. Today, I'm going to share with you a profile of a celebrity dressmaker who once rivaled Balenciaga and Givenchy. It is the designer, Jules-Francois Carré. For the Americans, I think we would pronounce his name Jules-Francois Carré. I will be recreating one of his dresses that he designed and released through the house of Nina Ricci. That is Vogue Paris original number 1388. So if you're interested in watching the process and seeing the final design, please go to celebritydressmaker.com and subscribe. Jorge was exposed to the business of fashion because he grew up with fashion. His mother was a Belgian couturier and naturally he became her sketcher as a young teen. His background naturally took him to Paris to study art and fashion, but then he returned to Belgium to work for his mother again until the war. He enlisted as a Belgian officer and served in the war where he was captured by the Germans and became a prisoner of war for five years in Germany. He survived and was released. After the war, in 1951, Croix returned to Paris and opened his own couture shop with a society woman who helped him and sponsored him financially. He was, at the time, a relatively unknown designer, and he certainly was not a household name. His workers and seamstresses were inadequately trained, and he quickly ran out of funding through word of mouth Friends of Ricci's told them about Krahe, and Robert, who is Nina Ricci's son, asked him to join the designing staff. So Robert Ricci was the executive mind behind his mother, who eventually took full control of her fashion business in the 1950s. And the retiring Nina Ricci wanted to transition out of designing. So to keep her fashion brand going, Robert, her son, hired Jules-Francois Crahe as the lead couturier for the house, initially collaborating with Nina Ricci. For the first collection, Crahe contributed about only 20 styles, but then he added a few more each year. When Crahe arrived at Ricci, the house itself wasn't widely known either, but his talent was recognized by the Ricci's and their exclusive clientele. So by 1959, Crahe was designing the entire collection at Ricci of more than 200 styles as chief designer. So suddenly, he brought himself and the house of Ricci to overnight success. The fashion press elevated Crahe to the very top of the couture. What was once a small and quiet house suddenly began receiving attention for designs described as feminine in the extreme, beautiful of coloring and fabric, unbizarre and elegant. His skirts were billed and full, both on the suits and the evening dresses. And the line that made him famous was his bouffant line, although it was his harmony, craftsmanship, and editing that brought the attention of the press, not necessarily a revolutionary line. Crahe said, I want to exalt women. I want to emphasize their softness, roundness. I want to follow the feminine route. 
Crahe was influenced by Balenciaga and the late Christian Dior and held them in high esteem. In fact, the fashion press compared Crahe to the late Christian Dior and described his work as the first real challenge to the entrenched rulers of the couture, such as Balenciaga, Givenchy, and Yves Saint Laurent of Dior. At the time, these houses were designing austere clothes, or clothes for their shock value, and Crahe disrupted their philosophy by presenting feminine and round curves. He wanted to see the end of austerity. So like the late Christian Dior, Crahe designed his collection to magnify the female form, building his reputation around his charming belled skirts and small-waisted dresses. He said, My goal is not to surprise. Fashion is continuity, the chain of events inevitably linked together. One of the designers that Crahe admired the most was Madame Grey. Although her designs were not directly reflected in his work, he is quoted to have said, She does not create fads. She is greater, higher than that. She has an instinct for dressmaking. Although her draping and pleating isn't featured in his work, it does look like he took on a similar philosophy. You can find Crahe's designs at the Met in New York and in fashion museums around the world. Eventually, Crahe transitioned out of the House of Ricci and moved to Lanvin, where he continued to provide designs for the home seamstress through Condé Nast. There at Lanvin, his aesthetic was described as folkloric with some ethnic influences, which if you look at his designs back then, it included a blend of Russian, Tibetan, and North African themes. Whether he was at the House of Ricci or at Lanvin, Crahe designed for women who wanted the grandeur and lavishness of couture. He once said, I have no use for afternoon clothes. Fashion leaps from the little morning suit to the evening gown. So by recreating this Nina Ricci dress, I hope I can remember and reconstruct Crahe's elegant and feminine design aesthetic that once attracted the attention and praise of the entire fashion world. I hope you enjoyed the mini biography on Jules Francois Crahe. Please go to celebritydressmaker.com, follow along and watch me recreate this Nina Ricci dress designed by Crahe himself. <laughs>